Father God, we just praise you for who you are and we thank you that you are the great I am. And Lord, that there is no one like you. God, I thank you for this time of worship today that we get to exalt the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above every name. And Lord Jesus, we pray that today that you have been glorified. And I pray today for our pastor as he speaks your word. I pray, God, he would speak it with boldness. But God, that our hearts would be in tune with what your word has said. And God, that we would leave here with uh, boldness, with an attitude that honors Christ, and to willing to share your message, your gospel, the only hope for this world. God, thank you again for loving us. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. That was some good singing today, wasn't it? Good singing, very good. Very talented. Uh, Kyle had a little illness this morning, wasn't able to come, and old Nathan pitches right in there. And looks like they've been working out for two weeks on that deal right there. Little Leonard Skinner, oh, you already left. That would be good. Tickety-boo, what does the Lord want you to do? Tickety-boo, what does the Lord want you to do? So I got a hat that says Tiki Boo. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So you be thinking about what in the world could that mean? Tiki Boo, what does the Lord want you to do? We've got a couple projects that we need to help with, I believe. Over there off of White Settlement in Luna Lista, there's a, the lady that lives in this house has cancer and she's been living on her, uh, sleeping on her couch for a long time because her bathroom had lots of issues and problems. And her son has been YouTubing it, trying to get it fixed, but between his work and things, they, and he's probably not quite sure what to do, they haven't been able to do it. Uh, and so it's the floor, it's a trailer house, and the floor uh, needs some help. So let's run through those, Rochelle. So that's the bathroom floor to her bedroom. And you can see that the floor joists look pretty good. I stood on them, they held me up so they can take care of her. And so basically, they got the plywood there. They got everything that's needed. He's done a lot of the work, just need to complete the plumbing work that goes under the house. And the plywood is there to put on top of that and then install the sink, bathtub, and the uh, commode. And so uh, there you go. Her bathtub is in there. And so this is the front of their uh, house. It's a trailer house. That's just rock that someone uh, in, the, in the past put together on that. Uh, this is the second house. It's right across the street from this house. And this is probably a, a lot simpler job. But this is, this is a, a exposed in the front of their house. And that's the, this is a Vietnam vet that has the leg issue. And uh, there's just things he can't do. And uh, so his, that's his house. Go back to that, that picture you just showed there, uh, Rochelle. No, go back one. Yeah, there you go. That main pipe coming up there is leaking water, and the source, that happened during the storm, and so he needs to be able to take a bath, and this is his only opportunity. And, and so uh, we are looking for uh, today mainly uh, to get uh, a fellow or two, a lady or two, I don't care if it's a fellow or it's a lady, uh, that will take it on as a project and would... Uh, you know, do all that you need to do to get the people there to help do the job and get the, the stuff all together. Most of the supplies for the bathroom floor is done, so that's all good. So let me, let me or Terry uh, Kubosh know if you're willing to do that. 
and uh, we have a fund that can handle all the money that goes with it and all that kind of stuff but we need to help these people get back in in order when I was over there looking at it Rick Heavy went with me so if you have any questions he can answer it because he knows more about it than I do but um, uh, I said tickety-boo Lord what do you want us to do and I went well here's something we can do this is a concrete thing that we could do so just give you some thought with that and let us know because they've been a long time without water now and that lady's been a long time without being able to sleep in her bed it'd be nice for us to get that knocked out quickly agree amen 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 Amen. all right don't hold back all right second thing I want to talk to you about today uh you know we got a lot of folks that that are choosing to stay home and we all recognize that by attendance and all those kind of things but I just want to address you guys at home for a little bit. If you're at home because of a medical reason, hey, I get it. We understand. No problem. No issue. And if you have another reason that, that uh, you can go to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And if he says stay at home, then by all means, we don't have the right to impede on that. Because the Lord tells you to do it, do it. But if you're staying home because you've gotten to a rut, or it's just convenient, or it's just something that you've just kind of failed to, you need to get on back here. Uh, you are you are needed you are wanted uh, the body of Christ was not made to be in isolation you know I know there's a lot of talk today that people are going to work from home the body of Christ is to be together now if your home is your body of Christ and believers and they're gathering there and you're doing life together and doing the things that God wants us to do then by all means do that in other words if you say tickety-boo what does the Lord want me to do if he wants you to stay at home the rest of your days that's great but you ask the Lord what he wants you to do. If he wants you to be back together in the body of Christ, to do the mission, to help each other, accountability, loving each other, doing work, doing ministry, sharing the gospel together, which is God's plan, then, then you need to get on back, okay? And so Hebrews 10 is a good place to look. Do not forsake the, the gathering of the saints. For So come on back if that's what the Lord tells you to do. And I'm, I'm fairly convinced that if the Lord wants his church to go, he's going to speak in that area. So there you go. There you have it. Romans chapter 8. Tickety-boo, what does the Lord want you to do? Tickety-boo, what does the Lord want you to do? Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? These things. The things that he'd been talking about. And if you notice in our study in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 1 through 30, it's like this is the foundation of the Christian life. This is the foundation of the Christian faith. It's like there's been the uh, piers have been put in. The, the, the ditches have been put in. It's like the, the uh, metal has been put in. And, and it's all put together, the plumbing is put in, and all the stuff you need to build a house is all laid. And Romans 8 lays it well, and it's, it's good ditches, and it's deep piers. It goes down to blue shell, and all those kind of things, you need to have a real strong foundation. And Romans 8 lets us in on how strong our foundation is that is built on Jesus Christ. Jesus said to us, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? And he said, a certain man went and built a house, and he built it out of sand, and the winds came and knocked that house down. 
but, but another person listened to me and built his life on the rock, built his house on the rock, and the winds came and couldn't blow it down. So the word tells us very, very clearly, without any question, that for a strong life, we need to have our life built on the foundation that God has put before us. So, that foundation, what then shall we say to these things in the very first part of verse 31? No condemnation. There is no condemnation. If you're condemning yourself, stop it. It's a waste of time. Because you're condemning yourself. I'm not good enough. I haven't been good enough. I've done too many bad things. I've done this. I've said this. I'm not where I should be. I'm not as good as so-and-so. When God hears you say those things, he says, wait a minute, no condemnation. If I don't condemn you, don't condemn yourself. Quit doing that. That's what he says to us. There in Christ, there is no condemnation. That's like the piers that's put down the foundation for a new house. You got to have them peers or you don't it's going to move and shake right and there you go there is no condemnation he goes on to say that we have the holy spirit in us when we're in christ the holy spirit goes to tells us that foundation is built on the holy spirit being deposited in us and guess what the same power that rose jesus from the grave lives in us man that's powerful right that's a strong, strong foundation that we have. Jesus lays down the foundation and says, let me tell you something. Here's the deal. Paul reveals it to us and he says that whatever you're going through in this life, whatever suffering you experience, it doesn't even come to compare with the glory that you're going to receive in heaven. Can't even compare it. That's a strong foundation. That means, man, I'm going through hard times. I'm hurting. I'm broken. But yet, man, what I have in Christ." It's just going to take me on. That's a strong foundation that we have. And he talks about that uh, uh, the Holy Spirit is not only in us, not only empowering us, not only calling us to live and be broken from the life controlled by sin and be lived by the life controlled by the Spirit. And it says that the life that is controlled by the Spirit produces life and love. Life and hope. That's a powerful, powerful thing. And, and then the Bible tells us here, the foundation is very, very strong because the Holy Spirit helps us and we have this promise that for those who are in Christ, for those that know the Lord, for those that are His children, God chose us. He chose us to be that way. He has chosen that we will be conformed to the image of His Son. That's a powerful, powerful thing. He wants us to be conformed to the image of his son. He has work to do. That's what that tells us. There's much work to do, and he's, he's in for it. He wants to do it. He's saddled up. He wants to complete that work in us. And it goes on to say that he works. God is not lazy. God works. He works in all things for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So everything that happens, if we'll just say, tickety-boo, what does the Lord want me to do? We can put ourselves in a position to embrace that truth, that promise. And we can rejoice to the mountains. We can rejoice to the mountaintops. We can celebrate. We can live a life with hope, with opportunity, not with despair. 
And he says that those whom he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And we talked about that word justification. And it said, it is, we are right with God. And it is as if we have never, ever been wrong with God. That's, that's good, good information to have. That builds that foundation. And then he says that he glorified us. Past tense, each one. Called, justified, glorified. Past tense. From God's point of view, it's as if it's already happened. Now, we're not quite experiencing it yet, right? We're struggling along. We're trying to figure it all out. But from his perspective, it's as if it's a done deal as far as God is concerned. So, what shall we say to these things? Oh, my, what we should say is, tickety-boo, what does the Lord want me to do? I mean, this is awesome. This is wonderful. Strong foundation is put for us. 32b. Listen to what the scripture says here. If God is for us, I guess that's a rhetorical question, huh? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, Paul, if anybody knows that God is for us, Paul knows us. And that's what Romans 8, verses 1 through 30, has laid out for us, is that God is for us. God is for us. Now, God is for us. He is more for us than against us. He's against sin, but he's for us completely, right? We need to be more for things in the, in, in the kingdom than against things. And we need to be real careful when we become issue-oriented because that's not the perspective that God has towards us, and that's not the perspective that we need to have as we live our life. If God is for us, and he most certainly is, who can be against us? Who can be against us? When I saw Mike Tyson fight for the first time, whoa, man, I wouldn't walk in there in that ring for $10 million. Maybe 11, but not 10. <laughs> when I saw Jimbo Slice fight once, back when he first started, I said, holy cow, that's a beast. And that poor guy that was trying to put a whooping on him got whooped, and he... And, and he was really something. Rhonda Rousey. Remember her? Pretty girl who was mean. <laughs> and she would whip her opponent in 30 seconds, or it was a, seen as a defeat in her case. And she had the ability to put people in that, that, that Brazilian something with their legs and do that, and they were, no, help, help, she's breaking my leg. Or the arm bar deal that she would put in there. Unbelievable. Not one of them was undefeated. Not one. Michael Tyson got whooped two or three times. He got knocked out once, which is hard to believe. Ronda Rousey, she had a winning streak for a while, and then someone came along and beat her, whipped her. Jimbo Slice, he got, man, he quit one time in the, in the ring. And it was to a little bitty guy. But that little bitty guy was just absolutely nutcase, and he would hit Jimbo Slice three or four times before Jimbo knew what happened. <laughs> and he had to hit him a lot to get his attention, but he hit him a lot. And at the end, Jimbo, he was tired. He was done. They ain't undefeated. God is undefeated. God is undefeated. So, if God is for us, who can be against us? No one can. We got that going for us. Do you see that? 
When you wake up on Monday morning, you don't want to face the trials there. If God is for us, who can be against us? When you wake up and you don't want to go to school and, and they pick on you at school, they, maybe they, they tease you at school, maybe you're being bullied. Understand, if God is for us, who can be against us? When you're misunderstood for you believe in God and you live for God and they think you're peculiar and you think you're weird and all those kind of things, celebrate. You got it going good. If God is for us, who in the world can be against us? He says in verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all and how he will not also with him graciously give us all things. Not a Santa Claus, but the things that are according to his will and purpose, of course, he's not going to violate that. He's not going to contradict that. If he gave us his son, which is the great gift, right? Then he's going to graciously give us all things. That's God. That's God at work. Graciously giving us all things. Verse 32. Look in verse 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. That, boy, that verse there now. You need to write that down. You need to memorize this verse. If you're struggling with condemning yourself, write this down. If you struggle with your salvation, write this down. If you struggle with accepting the grace of God for you, for your life, Write this down. If you just think you've been too bad, write that down. Let this burn in your heart. Let it soak in. Who shall bring any charge against us? Romans, uh, Revelation 12 says that Satan accuses us day and night before the Father in heaven. Right? And the power that we have over him is our testimony, the blood of Christ, and the fact that we have faith, that we are willing to die for our faith. Those three things defeat Satan. And we, we can defeat Satan and his accusations against us when we understand who is to condemn. Who has the ability to condemn? And the answer, of course, is no one because Christ Jesus is the one who died for us. It is God who justifies. It is God who justifies. Who makes us right with God? God does. Religion doesn't. Being baptized doesn't. Being circumcised doesn't. Being of the right brand doesn't. Being of the right tribe doesn't. Being looking the part, standing the part doesn't. Being moral enough doesn't. The only thing that makes us right with God is being justified, and only He can do that. So that's why we draw to Him. So, who can bring any charge against us? Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is, sit, is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, is verse 34. So, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who can bring any charge against us? Who can condemn us? The answer to each one of those questions is no one. And then we have verse 35, that foundation, that foundation, that strength of it. It's the, it's the concrete. It's the right concrete. 
It's got the right amount of, of rocks in it. It's got the right amount of chemical in it. It's the right temperature and all those things. It just makes the strongest, strongest foundation that you could have. This is the concrete. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who is it? That's what he's saying here. Name them. Name them. Who shall separate us from the, name, from the love of Christ? Satan? No. The world politicians? No. People that judge us? No. No. They can't. They can't separate us from the love of Christ. Can we ourselves separate us from the love of Christ? No. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then Paul says, Shall tribulation separate us from the love of Christ? The answer is no. Or distress, no. Or persecution, no. Or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, no. None of those things can separate us from the love of Christ. Because you see, the mindset was in this day that if bad things happen to you, God must be done with you. I mean, that's still the mindset today. That was the mindset of the three friends with Job. That is crystal clear, the mindset of the world. If you ask the world, is God pleased with them? Is God pleased with me? Is God pleased with people? They would evaluate whether or not their life is good or bad. If their life is good, they would say God must be pleased with them. If their life is, is having hard times and difficulties, then the answer is God must not be pleased with them. That's not how it works. Because the very people that God is pleased with have both good lives and difficult lives. It has nothing to do with consequences, circumstances. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that we are in Christ and he sees us as right with him. So nothing separates us from the love of Christ. Oh, so-and-so must be really separated from God because they're going through such hard times. No, had nothing to do with it. And that's a strong foundation. So nothing separates us from the love of Jesus. Nothing. Nothing separates us from the love of Jesus. Nothing separates us from his love. Very, very interesting, he pinpoints the Isaiah's prophecy. For your sake, we are being killed all the day long, in verse 36. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. We are pouring ourselves out. So what Paul is saying here, man, we, we believe this so much. We are so on board with nothing can separate us from the Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And you must see it because we are willing to risk all because of this. It's a strong foundation. Man, it's a strong foundation. Paul's willing to risk his very life for the mission of Christ because he knows that nothing will separate him from Christ's love. No one condemn him. No one can accuse him. And, and, and no one can come along and whip him because if God is for us, who can be against us? And then in verses 37, 38, 39, let, let these words set in today. No. In all these things, in all these situations, 
We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. <laughs> I don't, can, you, can there be more than a conqueror? Can you conquer devil? I don't know how that works. You know, I mean, he really did conquer, conquer. He conquered, conquered, conquered. You know, just add to it. Let's magnify that. Like the Lord is holy, holy, holy. In the Hebrew, that's taking it and saying how powerful it is. I mean, it's complete holiness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But we are more than conquerors over problems, over sin, over death. More than conquerors. That's a strong foundation. Verse 38, for I am sure that neither death nor life, neither death nor life will conquer us, nor angels nor rulers. So the spiritual beings, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principal powers in the unseen world, demons, the beasts, his partner, the Antichrist, the dragon, Satan, Beelzebub, the demons, all these things. For not, not angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come. So, isn't it true that people who are being conquered by life, and they're not more than over conquerors, they may be in position with Christ as a Christian, but they're not living it out, right? They're, they're really not living out the victory, not living out the fact that they have conquered through the love of Christ, fear over death, fear over life, fear over Satan, fear over rulers and principalities, fear over the now and the morrow. Fear. Fear. Fear is an interesting thing. Fear really does just come on and, and, and put itself in very different ways for different people. And, and when I was thinking about that what would be more than a conqueror is someone that is afraid of the present or the things to come. It paralyzes us. It, it grips us and keeps us from embracing tickety-boo, what does the Lord want me to do? It'll keep you from it. And so I kind of Googled and looked at and did some research the, what people believe today to be basically the top 10 American fears today. Things that people are afraid of in the present and things in the future. Death of a loved one was at the top of the list for most of the lists. Even more so than death of self is death of a loved one. Failure. Failure is a big one. Success. Fear of success. I've heard about that for a long time. Might have a little bit of that. Fear of illness definitely is an issue today. Fear of poverty. Fear of insignificance. Man, that's, a, that's probably a hard one for a lot of believers. A difficult one. Fear of looking foolish. I must admit I got over that one a long time ago. <laughs> Fear of looking foolish. Didn't think that could be a thing. Fear of being judged. Okay. Wow, that's something, isn't it? Fear of being judged. There are two new ones that have cropped up in, in these sociologies, sociological people, socialists. So, they might be socialists. So I'm trying to say ologists, social. How do I do that? Sociologists? Thank you. You went to school. Where did you go to school? 
I went to San Angelo, so just pipe down, pipe down. There we go. That's really a big deal is the fear of being judged. You know what else is big today? The fear of being canceled. Fear of being canceled. I, I personally don't have that. I don't see how anybody can have that. But it's a real thing. Like we hear about it all the time now. Fear of being canceled. And I, I don't get this one. And I don't understand how anyone can have this fear. But they say that it's a real genuine fear. The fear of offending someone. You mean to tell me you're afraid to offend someone? Oh, yes. I wouldn't dare tell them what I think about something. Why? They might disagree with me, and then they would think I'm, a ju I'm judging them, and then they would cancel me. <laughs> We're going down a bad road, y'all. We've done something bad wrong somewhere in raising up people if they won't voice their opinion because they are afraid... <coughs> of offending someone they're afraid of being judged and afraid of being canceled as a Christian that offends me <laughs> how can that be but it's real I guess it's real and you may, you may be like me you may not experience some of these fears but I'm sure there's a fear here that you, you dabble with a little bit and the foundation that God has laid through us in Christ says to us that we are more than conquerors in things present and things to come. What are you going to do about tomorrow? I don't know, but tickety-boo, what does the Lord want me to do? That's how, that should be our mindset. What about tomorrow? What about this? What about that? I mean, we hear all the time, you know, we're going to be just whipped with the strain of something, and this is going to happen. The economy is going to collapse, and, you know, all this is going to go on, and all this damage is going to come on. What about you? I'm secure in the present. I'm, I'm secure in the future. Think about this. Maybe this will help you. What is your greatest, greatest fear? What, what is the one thing that you sit around and think, that right there is the worst thing that could ever happen to me? I fear that. I just can't stand that. I can't stand the thought of that thing happening. Right? What, what do you think is the worst thing that could ever happen to you, your family? Now, you think that fear, that fear tears you up inside. Okay? That fear, that worst thing, it hinders you from having a, a real overcoming life. It paralyzes you. Now, move ahead with me. Walk down the road a few years. Walk down the road a few months. Walk down the, world, the road a few weeks or days. Get on down the road. Now, if that very, very worst thing happens to you, is God able to handle it? Well, the answer is what? Well, of course. God can handle the very worst thing that could ever happen to me. And matter of fact, as I walk down that road and I consider what I believe to be the worst thing that could ever happen to me, that God is going to meet all my needs. He's going to take care of me. He's going to work in all things for the good of those who love God. 
and I'm going to be okay. You're going to be okay if the very worst thing happens to you. I mean, if the very worst thing is death, you're in Christ. The first moment you have in heaven, you're going to go, oh my goodness. Man. I miss my loved ones. Got all that? Sure, no question about that. If you miss your loved ones, don't know how that works. Don't really care at this point. I just know that when we get to heaven, we're going to go, I'm blown away with heaven. You're going to spend the first two or three million years checking out the place. The bass are big. Right? Whatever you enjoy, you're going to enjoy more. No crying, no death, no mourning, no sorrow, no agony. That's the foundation that we have to live life here. Don't be crippled by the worst thing that could ever happen to you because there is no worse thing in Christ. If we lose a loved one, we're sorry. We have hurt. We have pain. I miss my dad every day. But we have glory. We're more than overcomers. We've got the presence of God. We've got the promise of, the, of, the, of heaven for us. So we, we don't have to live under that bondage. We're more than conquerors nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, nothing else in all creation. So he lists death, life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, powers, nor height, nor depth. He tries to list it all. He tries to list in all things, so that whatever you're most concerned with as the worst thing that could ever happen to you, you have the promise of knowing that nothing, nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. What should be the number one worst thing that would ever happen to anybody? What should be the worst fear is that you would be separated from God for all of eternity. And if you're in Christ, you have the promise that nothing separates you from God. You see, your, your worst fear ought to be that a loved one is going to be separated from God or is separated from God or spend all of eternity separated from God. That should be our greatest fear. Paul says in Romans 9, in Romans 10, in the first verses of it, man, I'm in anguish over the lostness of my people. Anguish. He grieved over the lostness of the Jews. We, we, we must stand with Paul in anguish over our loved ones. Anguish over our community members. Anguish over the people with us. And I'm here to tell you, the worst thing that could ever happen to anyone is they would die separated from God. So, foundation. Tickety-boo, what does the Lord want you to do? Tickety-boo is a word that they think, they being the ones that study this stuff, came from the British colonial rule in India. And it is related to the Hindi expression... Tiki Babu. So that's something that in Hindi they would say, Tiki Babu, which meant something like, everything's all right. Everything is in order. 
Everything is lined up. Everything's all right, sir. Others later spelled it diggity-boo or tiggity-boo. And so when the English left India, or the people did, they went back to England in the 1700s of all places, all times. They go back, and they go back, and it becomes in English tickety-boo. How you doing? Tickety-boo. Whatever you said, everything is in order. Everything is all right. How's your world going? Today we say, all oh, good, better than I deserve. Everything's going my way. You know, we'd all those little things we say. How about this? Tickety-boo. They don't hear that very often. They haven't heard that, probably. How you doing? Tickety-boo. You're doing what? I'm doing tickety-boo. What do you mean by tickety-boo? Well, I mean that all things of order, there's no condemnation for me. I'm, the Holy Spirit lives in me. I'm tickety-boo. Everything's in order. My foundation is laid. I have the promise that nothing will ever separate me from God. Tickety-boo. My life is tickety-boo. Nothing, nothing, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate me from the love of Christ. My life is tickety-boo. Tickety-boo is the foundation. All is in good. All is in good order. Tickety-boo, what does the Lord want you to do? You see, the foundation for doing what the Lord wants us to do is tickety-boo. Tickety-boo, what does the Lord want you to do? Tickety-boo. Say it with me. Tickety-boo. When you go to work in the morning, they say, Junior, how you doing? Tickety-boo. Get a conversation going. Tickety-boo. What does the Lord want me to do? You say, tickety-boo, all is well between me and the Lord. The foundation is laid. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. And if, if, if the Holy Spirit can lead you to that, you might say, you can have that too. You can have tickety-boo life. Lord, we're thankful for their willingness to take on this assignment. And may, Lord, they just honor you with their witnessing, with their sharing and make the most of every opportunity they have. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.